Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? Well, I'd be fine if I could tell time. <laughs> I have time problems these days. <laughs> We're, are we struggling with, um, do we need to go I'm back? struggling seasonally, I think, would oh. be a good way to put it. Not so much with like, you know, hours on the clock, but so much with seasons. So we, we need to go back to, you know, maybe, you know, kindergarten or first grade where we where were we learning the seasons, seasons and, and we learned to put, we learned to put <laughs> podcast episodes out in order of the seasons. Yes, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, so listeners, listeners. Yeah. Okay. Go uh, ahead, Augie. So um, uh, you are about ready. You're about to uh, listen to um, or read the transcript for a podcast episode that we recorded um, a couple of months ago. And our intention was to have uh, a summer of favorites um, where each episode would uh, be a discussion of some of our favorite things related to government and politics. Um, and they weren't our normal fare of government documents or political events. Yeah, or facts. They weren't facts. <laughs> Okay. They were pretty much fact free in Good. most instances in terms of how but, the government runs or yeah. based in government documents, which is generally what we do. Yes. And our intention was to record a number of these episodes and then release them during the summer. Um, uh, and for a get to know you kind of summer. This yeah. Is sort of our summer of favorites so that you could get to know us. Yeah, a little mm -hmm. more personally of what we think of when we think of favorites. Yes, and but and, like all good plans. Yeah, uh, you know uh, uh, what is it? The best laid plans of mice and men often go astray, right? Yeah. And in this instance, one of us is a man and one of us is a mouse. <laughs> what is that? Is, uh, uh, is that a? I didn't uh, want to take away your manhood by saying we were mice. We're both mice. Okay. The the quote though is from Dickens, right? Right. Okay. Um, anyways, so <laughs> we were about you know we recorded these episodes. Our intention was to go ahead and release them during the summer. However, um, we received a bunch of emails. Okay, from faithful listeners. Um, who wanted to know um, if or and or when we were going to have podcast episodes about the recently completed Supreme Court term that finished up the last week of June. The recently non-controversial, completely boring, nothing else happened in, in, in the whole thing, U.S. Supreme Court yes. term. That's so, the one you mean, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, the United States Supreme yeah. Court. Several of our readers slash listeners were on fire, basically. Yeah, they were yes. like, oh, my gosh, you have to address this. Yes. So yeah. what we did, listeners, is um, we scrapped our summer of favorites, um, but we didn't scrap it. We just delayed release of those episodes. So what follows is one of those episodes. Thank you for your patience for us with our timing and once um, we're through our fall of favorites yes we'll we, come back with regularly scheduled episodes of normalness yes where we focus on government documents government processes okay things in the news okay yep. um but uh we facts uh, and figures and all the things that are true yes instead of all the things that are our opinions which may or may not be true <laughs> 
Thanks, Augie. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How you doing? I'm good. I awoke um, um, uh, uh, singing the lyrics of the Beatles' uh, Revolution. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I love that song. Yes. That's a great but, song. But there's a reason why I was thinking about that, because today's uh, podcast episode is... Favorite political songs, or favorite <laughs> songs that have been used by politicians. They're not always political, although I think all of ours are political in some way. Political well, protest, It's we, we kind of broadened yeah. our view of political a little when we were, because, oh, yeah, and we, listeners, we can, yes. Augie and I are old, our musical tastes are somewhat old, <laughs> so keep that in mind. Like every other thing we're doing this summer, these are favorites of two older folks. So yeah. if you're looking for things that were published last year or that were sung last year, probably, I have one in the 20s. And everything else is before that. So I'm just I'm just being free and open at the beginning. Yeah, my and, most recent one was recorded um, in, a, in the late 1980s, I believe. Yeah. Yes. So we're we're it's two geezers up in here talking about music, but what we're kind of hoping is to lead you to things you may not have heard if you are of the younger generation. These may be things you haven't you haven't listened to, and you can Spotify these bad boys and find out what yeah. we're talking about yeah so um, but um again but a little uh, disclaimer yeah, along the, with all the other disclaimers we're making this summer about our favorites being favorites not being we're not talking about the quality of the music or the quality of the whatever the sound editing and that that's not how we judge no music. i mean these are songs that um for the most part uh, resonated with us as uh, we were kind of sort of uh, having our political awakening, um, right. maturity, um, and um, and in in the the connective th- uh, tissue here with all these songs is that they do talk about politics uh, and or um, our protest songs. Um, and um, now let's you know. Another disclaimer here, um, though Nia and I uh, are, by all accounts, uh, political nerds, um, uh, not all of the music that we listen to is quote-unquote political. Oh, um, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we could do an entire episode where we go ahead and acknowledge that a lot of our songs, like most popular music in the United States, is not necessarily about politics, Okay. It's One about, of my favorite songs in the world is Shake It Off. And that has nothing to do with politics. That's just Taylor <laughs> Swift and me in the car yelling, shake, 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 shake it off at the top of our lungs. Her doing a much better job, by the way, than me. But I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Um, uh, I know. Uh, yeah. Yes, I agree with you that these are these are part of our. Yeah, I mean, Augie, if you could see his background on uh, Zoom, which you can't, which is probably good because then you'd see my background on Zoom. Um, he his one half of his study at home is CDs. Yes. So if yeah, he only limited CD. if he only limited himself to protests, that would be like three shelves, and he'd be done. But <laughs> yeah, there's a metric ton of music behind him. I have a metric ton of MP3s on every device I own. So yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but are you um, going to let me go first? Uh, uh yes, and uh, and again, uh, listeners, um, the only condition uh, that Nia and I put on ourselves is that we would try to limit to three or four songs. And then and I went over. Nia went over, and <laughs> and I didn't put this in the research notes. I was uh, going to spring it on Nia. There is an entire genre of music that I love, okay, that if one thinks about it in terms of its view of structures and institutions, okay, is anarchist in nature. Okay, but I will, okay. I, will, I will get to that later. But Nia, you're first up. Um, My first I, up, the one whenever somebody says um, a, a political song, I yes. swear to you, the first thing that comes to my mind is Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, 1984. Yeah. Um, Ronald Reagan used it in political ads and at, and at uh, political rallies. And it's like he didn't listen to the words of the song because yeah. Born in the USA is very much about um, a sort of bleak return from Vietnam and not being able to get a job, right? It, it's it's telling the story of Vietnam vets and what actually happened to them, coming home, yeah. being, being spit on. I mean, he doesn't mention that in the song, but that's the styling of the song, Um yeah, because the narrator in the song um, basically grows up in a town that's not doing well. Um, right, because and, nobody in any town that Bruce Springsteen sings about is doing well. And uh, uh, so, you know, he's struggling. He gets into trouble, more than likely legal. I mean, you got a quote here from the song, uh, song lyrics, you know, got in a little hometown chant. So they put a rifle in my hand, sent me off to a foreign land to go and kill the yellow man, right? So he gets right. sent to Vietnam, okay? Right, and um, he doesn't understand, I mean, he's not going there for purpose. Like, he's going there to avoid going to jail. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, it, and, so there's and, some really powerful sort of um, indictment of how you send people to war yeah. and, and, and their and, commitment to it, which is very different than we see in other wars where people commit themselves people had to be forced to go to vietnam vietnam was not a hey let's go join i mean some people did obviously but the vast majority of people it was draft they didn't want to go they were made to go versus some other wars we've had where people were more inclined to go um yeah and so and it's a it's i think it's like many bruce springsteen songs i think the work could be used bleak Keep in mind, please, that Bruce Springsteen may not be the best vocalist in the world. I used to think that he sounded like he was getting punched in the chest when he was singing. Um, it's, but his lyrics are worth listening to. Sure, and and, uh, and and quite obviously, if you're not a Springsteen fan, you're probably 
even if you're not a, a Springsteen fan, you're aware of this song, but the song on the album, uh, which is entitled uh, Born in the USA, um, is a full E Street Band performance. Now, he actually wrote that song, uh, Nian, I don't know if you even know this, he wrote that song um, as part of the collection of songs that he wrote for his previous album, which I'm going to touch upon on my favorites list, Nebraska. And I've seen him live by himself where he does the song solo. Ooh, that would be different. And um, it's much more in the vein of one of the other artists on your favorites list. And it's more of a folk song um, with a harmonica instead of guitars and key keyboards. Uh, but it's more in the genre of Woody Guthrie than it actually is in the version that became very popular and, and was used by not only Ronald Reagan, but other politicians. Right. Uh, and, who, and, I don't understand why they don't like, like anybody who knows the song. And it, by the way, infuriated Springsteen because he was not a fan of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and and as and as we will discuss another podcast episode, unfortunately for Springsteen, not um, much he can do about that. He couldn't do very much about it because the publishing company for his all of his songs saw this as an opportunity to go ahead and make extra money, and, and it was extra money for him. And to his credit, he donated those royalties uh, to various uh, Vietnam vet groups. Um, but it's a very powerful song, and it was, uh, in, 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 in all cases, a stinging indictment of why we went to the war, who went to the war, and then how we treated them when they came back home. Right. Because that's the punchline of the song. He comes back home. And he can't and they, get a job. There's nothing there for him. And there's right? nothing there for him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, second side mention of Springsteen, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time um talking about it particularly because it makes me cry which is american skin otherwise known as 41 shots yeah and that is a retelling of or a a telling of uh or a, a tribute to amadou diallo who was a, a guinean man who came to the united states um 1999 police officers stopped him they claimed because they thought he was a rape suspect from a year before but it was several police officers, like three or four police officers, and they told him to put his hands up. And he, when he was reaching, he was reaching for a wallet, they now know. But they said they thought he was reaching for a gun, and they fired 41 shots and hit him 19 times. It was one of the first yeah. cases like that. And it is a powerful song to listen to because it ends with Springsteen simply repeating 41 shots, 41 shots. In fact, uh, of all the times I've seen Springsteen and uh, he played that song in two of the concerts I saw him in, it's the only two concerts where I heard audience members boo, boo Springsteen. I did not know that. It yeah, makes both. me cry. I was in Atlanta yeah, when he, um, when he both. debuted it. Yeah, both both uh, both times, um, because it, it, again, he doesn't pull any punches in the song. Right? right. I mean, he just comes out and says, "This is unacceptable behavior." 
Right. Um, um, yeah. The cops and, should not be doing this. And what it, what they called it was contagion, police contagion. Yeah. One person starts to fire, then everybody starts to fire. Yeah. Right. And it, and and I think that they've tried to work on that as a as a skill set many police officers but yeah i mean really 41 yeah. shots you need to fire that many shots um <clears throat> then um i'm gonna uh go back in time all the way to the beginning um which is uh well not the beginning of time because i don't i don't know the music of the beginning of the time but there's uh woody guthrie's this land is your land yeah so woody guthrie used to woody guthrie is um he, if anybody, more people may have heard of his son, Arlo. Yeah. Um, uh, Alice's restaurant, right, is Arlo Guthrie. Yeah. But Woody Guthrie wrote the song, This Land is Your Land, because he was he was hanging around, uh, going traveling the United States, and Irving Berlin's God Bless America had just been released, and everybody was singing it everywhere. And he was like, you know, that doesn't really touch on the fact that private land ownership and power and wealth is not equally shared in the United States, mm-hmm. that, it, that they're definite um, class mm-hmm. and it got, and it pissed him off. And so he wrote this land is your land, which is basically a, Hey, you belong here and you should, we should all have ownership of things. Meaning also no one person should own, you know, there shouldn't be Bill Gates and, and Jeff Bezos, and then the rest of us, right? Like that's, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it should be a little more equal. And, and again, um, he was know, looking for equality in class and in wealth and power. Yeah. And, you know, Nia, you emphasized the lyrics in Springsteen's um, uh, Born in the USA. This is another song that has some r- rather powerful lyrics, um, in part d- describing the United States to somebody who, and he was traveling the United States in part by hitching rides on railroads right, and, and hanging out with, you know, what we used to call hobos, okay, um, et cetera, okay, um, you know, and, you know, you know, and he, and he talks about, you know, from California to the New York Island, to the you know from the redwood forest to the gulf uh, stream waters, waters this, this land, land was made for, made you, for and you and me right okay um and again that's spring, and, spring and side note we used to learn that in school yeah and like and, i don't know what grade you learned it in but i learned it in like the yeah. second grade yeah um, well i mean in, in my household all kinds of music was played so, you know, that was a song that would would be on um, because, again, if you grew up in a small town, radio stations were one of the few ways you could go ahead and connect to other parts uh, of the country. Um, right. Um, this is, so. folks, when there were three channels on TV. <laughs> yeah. Right. Your yeah. your TV and you had to mess with the rabbit ears to get it to, yes. to get the far one, whatever yeah. the far one was. But we're with radio stations on a clear night. You could night. hear Cuba yeah. on a clear night. <laughs> yeah, right. You could hear all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember <clears throat> listening to, you know, baseball broadcasts. 
as, as far away as, you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. And I was just like, wow. Which for this, you, that's great. Yeah, this is cool, right? Okay. But we would get radio stations. I mean, occasionally we would get upstate New York radio stations. We would get West Virginia radio stations. We would get Maryland radio stations. So at any point in time, you know, my mom would be, you know, flipping the, you know, the 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 tuner, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, you would have Woody Guthrie, you know, blurring, you know, this land, you know, this land is your land, right? Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it, that was good stuff. Right? Although that's 1940. Keep in mind, Augie was not born in 1940. No, I mean, that's the great thing about music is that once it gets it recorded, on. Um, it get you know, it lives on, right? So um, then for, moving forward in time to 1979, <laughs> yes, I love Pink Floyd for a variety of reasons. Um, <laughs> but another brick in the wall yes. is one of my all-time favorite songs of any protest or non-protest. But the entire point of the song is conformity. It's it actually the entire point of the song is to is to mock conformity yes yeah right it's not that they want people to conform it's to mock conformity it's to it's to say uh, all in all you're just another brick in the wall right that's what the that's what the school teachers tell you that's what the message of the politics and government tells you you're just another brick in the wall and and they're basically saying no you're not you're not you're not but the song is a protest of that concept that yeah, Pink Floyd. And that education is done the same way for every person. Yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, Pink Floyd, um, very prominent um, uh, uh, album-oriented radio rock group, okay? Um, and uh, they're British. Okay? Dark Side of the Moon, one of the best albums ever. Okay, and they were very critical of the British education system, which for those of us here in the United States who are just confounded by the nonstop incessant battles over what gets taught, I think many Americans, particularly if we transported them to Great Britain in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, okay, um, would be utterly lost because in Great Britain, the educational system was even more regimented, okay, and more class-based, right? So, so much of the British educational system was to basically go ahead and tell you, if you were not born to wealth, that this was your lot in life, right? Um, And that, you know, you should go along to get along, okay? Um, because that was, okay, what you should expect and what was expected of you. Well, and the chorus, we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control, mm-hmm. no dark sarcasm in the classroom. Teachers leave those kids alone. alone. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's a, yeah, and the album I love version, that. I love yeah, that the, the album version actually starts off with a recorded um, uh, dialogue uh, between <laughs> A British school teacher, okay, you know, screaming at the kids, right? Okay, and it, it's and ends that way. Yes, yeah. So, so it's a, yeah. I, I love that song. Yeah. Um, and and then my last song, uh, 
well, no, because I've got some other special mentions. But my last big song that I want to point out is Chris Pierce, American Silence, which is mm-hmm. 2020. Yep. Um, <clears throat> it is such a good song. He is, it's just him with his guitar and his harmonica, which Augie loves that type of music. He's going to talk to you about it in a little bit. <laughs> yes. But because what I like about that is that it's transportable. When you have a song that I love Pink Floyd, but that is a techno synthesized song. A lot of it would be really hard to play that song acoustically by yourself at a protest, right? Like or in a coffee shop, right? I mean, you know, right. It would be hard to do, hard to get it out there in a way. It's not to disparage Pink Floyd because again, they they went into its own type of thing. Yeah. And they went into the studio and they made them, you know, they availed themselves of the technology that was available and they worked at it, right? Yeah. And they have the weird chorus where the kids sing. Yes. Um and you're like, oh that's kind of creepy. Um but but it also requires a lot of a lot of production yeah and um the chris pierce uh, american silence video if you get a chance to watch the video on youtube is not overproduced it's very it's it's very simple because you i think i'm not speaking for him as an artist but what i believe is that he's trying to keep it simple because he's trying to make sure you hear the message yes. and the message in that song is will our song arrest you american silence is a crime he's basically saying if you don't actually stand up and protest, you might as well say that you go along with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's that, there's this powerfulness of that. Um, but also he interchanges you and me in the song. So he doesn't make it adversarial. He is saying, this is an us problem. This yeah. is not just a yeah. somebody else's problem. This is an us problem. This happens whenever something happens. If I don't stand up, if you don't stand up, if we don't stand up, then we're never going to solve it. We're never going to fix it. It, it. it can't just be one group of people standing by themselves. It has to be everybody standing and saying, this is not okay. Yeah. It, it, and it, I, it, I just think it's incredibly well done. It's a universal protest message, right? I right. Mean, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., um, you know, spoke about in I Have a Dream. Um, and, uh, and and many civil rights protesters of the 1950s and 60s, which, you know, what they were trying to get across is, you know, it's not just about us. If you, you know, if you in positions of privilege don't also speak out then things won't change well and you don't know when you will be the victim Victim. like it's one of that they came for so and so and i did i said nothing right that whole poem and then when they came for me nobody was there that's right so you you gotta you gotta be all in yeah um it's it's a powerful song it's Um, really good i love that song um and so my special mentions because Augie knows I can't can't keep myself to four. Um, I'm already at five with 41 shots. But uh, I have a couple of special mentions because I really think they're universal. Yes. I think almost everybody would point to Imagine by John Lennon as a yeah. protest song, right? Imagine a war with no people. I mean, uh, excuse me, imagine a 
a world with no war. Yeah. Right. What would you do if you weren't doing that? Right. Imagine all the things you could do if you weren't if you weren't at war. I think a change is going to come by Sam Cooke. Yes. Is one of the most powerful. I love that song. And I love Sam Cooke's voice anyway. But that song is very. It's both sad, right? Because in his life, it's not changing quickly. The man in the song is suffering. Yes. But he's got hope. A change is going to come, right? we, We can turn this around. It's about the civil rights movement. But then we get to my queen. And I understand for all of you who think Beyonce is the queen, I understand that you're wrong, but it's okay. Because the queen of all time, the goat, is Aretha Franklin. Like, there is not a bad Aretha Franklin song. There is not a a song with Aretha Franklin that doesn't make you go, yeah, and want to get up on your feet. Yeah, I, I love Aretha Franklin, but the main one that you would point to for any sort of what I think of as protest, except it's not protest, it's feminism, is respect. Yes. Respect is all about, I will give you, I will make you a happy man. She's <laughs> speaking to her man. I yes. will make you a happy man, but what it's going to cost you is you're going to have to respect me. Yes. Yes. And if I mean- you respect me, I will give you all the good stuff and you can leave that to your imagine what she means, uh, your imagination. But, but it's like feminism 101. I am willing to be a partner in this, but I demand that you treat me as an equal. Yes. And it's funny you mentioned that because um, uh, that was definitely a song uh, of that. I used to hear all the time in my household and uh, <laughs> That's right, because you were raised by women. Oh, I was raised by women, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, my mother, my grandmother, and my two sisters, right? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find yeah. out what it means to me. Like, yes, like right? she's not playing with him. And and like I said, she's willing to give, but she has to get yes. that respect from him in order to be in order to be willing to give. Yeah. So it's funny you put that on your on you know your special mentions list because I was just like there are a lot of women our oh. age okay oh yeah They're, okay um she's everything to us because yeah she, yeah she's a powerful woman who took her own career on at one point like she had been led by men and then she was like no you know what I can do this and she started deciding what she was going to record and when and how and yeah yes yeah, and, and then she shows up to concerts wrapped in furs, and you're like, "Well, okay, lady." <laughs> yeah, right. You clearly but, got it going on. Yeah, and she's got you know she had her own sense of style, and she you know and, and as you pointed out, she took control of her career at a time when it was very unusual for women to have control of their musical careers, especially black women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Reith is just she. I mean, I love Beyonce. I do love Beyonce, but but Reith <laughs> is the goat. <laughs> but now we get to talk about your favorites. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to go in uh, chronological order, uh, just like uh, uh, Nia did. Uh, I didn't until like one in, but yeah, yeah. Okay, but the the, the first one. Um, uh, is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, okay? And 
you know, Marvin Gaye was the, uh, you know, the crown prince of the Motown record label. Okay. Um, and has one of the best singing voices ever. ever. Yeah. EVA ever. Yeah, right. Okay. And, uh, and was killed by his father, I think. Yes, he was. Yes. Um, but in a, in a household incident, of yeah. like a, you know, yeah, domestic, uh, domestic dispute. violence incident. Yeah. Dispute. Okay. Yep. But as the it's 60s, a great loss because yeah. But as the sixties wore on, uh, Marvin um, uh, got increasingly frustrated with Motown wanting him to basically crank out, in his estimation, the same song over and over again. Right, right. smooth, sexy songs that yes, right, okay. Um, so in 1971, uh, he came out uh, with uh, an album entitled What's Going On, uh, and the uh, the subject of the song was uh, police brutality, um, which in many ways, um, I, I revisited the album. It's, it's, it's one of my prized albums <laughs> um, in my collection. Um, when you had the series of police incidents as the second decade of this millennium um, uh, 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 occurred. Um, it, 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 one of the things that's fascinating to me about this song, and you and I generally don't talk all that much about the music, though we enjoyed the music, is the juxtaposition between the lyrics, which are extremely powerful, Okay, but the tone of the the song is you know is mellow, right? It, it's somewhat calming, while the narrator of the song, you know, sings over and over again. What's going on? What's going? Well, what's going on? Um, don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see what's going on. What? Yes, right? right? Like. Just yeah. walking up and punching me isn't going to solve. It, it would be so much easier if we could just have a discussion. Yes. I tell you why I'm frustrated and upset and scared. Or and, why I'm even here. And you with, respond. And, yes. In a human way, instead of pulling out your stick and starting to hit people. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's kind of sort of like, you know, Sam Cook's uh, A Change is Going to Come, right? right? You know, the, the voice and the music. Okay, belie what's really a, a song with a rather potent message, um, and it's it's a it's a great album, folks. Um, um, so uh, uh, that's uh, my uh, first on my list. Uh, the second one, <laughs> I want to talk, and and, and and listeners, I probably should have given you uh, a warning um, because the songs on my list are all over the map in terms of genre. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, my next song chronologically is... Yeah, mine tend to be folkish, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> my second song, uh, comes from, uh, the punk rock band, The Clash. Um, <laughs> London Colin, it's from 1979. Um, and for those of you who uh, are not familiar uh, with uh, uh, punk rock, uh, The Clash was one of the premier punk rock bands of the late 70s, early 1980s. 
and it's a song that tapped into Cold War angst that was permeating the West, but in particular, Western Europe, right? I mean, this was the era where many in Europe were protesting the fact that there were nuclear weapons put into their countries um, as a deterrent to the Soviet Union attacking Western Europe, right? Um, and the metaphor of the song is London, London flooding, okay? Um, and you know, then and that's the, the 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 phrase that ends a number of the stanzas in the lyrics, right? Um, and it's propulsive, right? It's got a propulsive beat. You know, it starts off with dun 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 dun, right? So almost immediately, you know, okay, that the band's trying to take you someplace. It's trying to get you fired up. Um, and um, and again, much like um, uh, Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On," the entire album is a tour de force because this is a punk rock band that, in one album, goes from punk rock to you know um, country swing to Jamaican, okay, to uh, and it closes rather infamously with a song that's not on the album cover, okay? Um, oh, I didn't know that. Train in Vain. Okay? Uh. They recorded it at the very end, and their record label had already begun to produce <laughs> the, the album cover, right? Um, and Train in Vain, okay, is, okay, again, another metaphor for you know, a romance that's like a train, you know, going nowhere, right? Okay. Um, so it, it's a great album, but for somebody, and I, and as I was in the late seventies, just beginning to become politically aware, right? I was just like, this is just incredible, right? You know, lyrics that were clear, the metaphor was obvious, and the band was at its peak, right? You know, it's kind of sort of like, you know, you know, Pink Floyd with, you know, another brick in the wall. I mean, Pink Floyd was, okay, you know, the, the band was at its, you know, peak, okay, uh, at that period of time. Because um, London is drowning and I live by the river. Right, I really... Right? I mean, it's very nihilistic. Yeah, it's right? also one of the few songs I know that uses the word truncheon. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Okay. Well done, you fitting that in. Okay. But... And again, you know, uh, I didn't know it, of course, at that time, you know, because I was a mere lad of 12. Okay. But nevertheless, okay. You know, my love for words, right? Oh, hey, nice word choice, right? Right. You know, the, you know, the Clash was one of those bands to where it was handy to have a dictionary nearby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ah, uh, they spoke British. Yes. Uh, and then the, the next song, um, uh, we do have a, a common artist on our uh, uh, favorite uh, political protest song list. Um, we have a common artist, um, Bruce Springsteen. Um, uh, both me and I are um, unabashed, huge Bruce Springsteen fans. 
Um, uh, mine is the song in the album Nebraska. So if you are thinking about this chronologically compared to Born in the USA, Nebraska came out uh, two years before um, Born in the USA. Okay. Um, the, the song, uh, as Springsteen has said a number of times in interviews, um, uh, arose um, after he watched Ter Terrence Malick's uh, uh, movie Badlands, uh, which wow. has uh, Sissy Spacek in it. Okay. Um, the narrator of the song is a serial killer who explains his killing spree after he's arrested by bluntly saying, quote, there's just a meanness in this world, unquote. Right. Um, the rest of the album is as dark and as bleak as the title track. <laughs> right. Um, there's no E Street band, you know, to, you know, pretty it up with keyboards or Clarence, you know, um, um, uh, Clarence's saxophone. Okay. Um, it was a relentless portrayal of R Reagan America. And it's a portrayal without hope, redemption. <laughs> okay or community to save many of the narrators, right, uh, of the songs. Um, many of the songs, uh, by the way, this, this in, the, almost the entirety of this album was infamously recorded in his bedroom in a rented house in New Jersey, and it's Springsteen with a guitar and a harmonica, and he's using an old rec tape recording system and he recorded all these songs, and then they go into studio. He does with the E Street Band, and the E Street Band worked their butts off for like months, and they just couldn't get them as good as the original recordings. I mean, even the band members were like, you know, Bruce, we can't do better than your original recordings, right? We just can't. Right. Okay? Well, if you're singing that kind of music, it's probably best alone, right? It's best simplest. Yeah, you don't want to go ahead. You don't want all that stuff in the background drawing attention. That's not what you're talking. You're you're, and especially serial killers tend to be loners. They tend to be <laughs> yes, right people right, who right. are well. And the, all of these bleak situations. One of the problems with all of that is loneliness and being alone, and all of those things that come with that. So yeah, it makes sense to me that that album, that those lyrics would sound better by one guy with a guitar and a harmonica, you know, yeah. like instead of a whole. Yeah, and and in that album, um, uh, Nia, it concludes with probably my favorite Springsteen song. Um, the 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 name of the song is "Reason to Believe," and the song "Reason to Believe" has uh, four different scenarios of why human beings might lose faith. But the narrator of the song goes ahead and says, struck me as kind of funny, funny kind, sir, to me, 
how at the end of a hard-earned day, people still find a reason to believe. It's the only note of optimism in the entire album, right? Okay. Um, I mean, in the four scenarios are, are just kind of sort of, you know, they're heartbreaking, they're reflective. I mean, the, the one scenario is a guy um, accidentally hits a dog on the side of the road and he's, you know, trying to will the dog back to life, okay? Second scenario is uh, a woman um, who um, whose lover, who more than likely was also her pimp, her lover leaves her, and she waits for him at the end of a dirt road every day, hoping that he comes back. The third scenario is uh, the same day that a baby's being baptized, Another family is putting to rest an older man who just died. And then the fourth scenario is a guy shows up for his wedding and his bride doesn't show up. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But again, the punchline of the song is, but in all these scenarios, people still find a reason to believe. Right. right. So even though Springsteen throughout the entire album, was saying, this is what I see. At the end, he still's got a little bit of hope. It's kind of sort of like the narrator narrator in Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come, right? I still got hope, right? Um, Atlantic City's on that album, too. Oh, Atlantic City, yeah. I, mean, I tried can... to put my money away, but I got debts no honest man can pay, right? So he but, buys but... a bus ticket. He's like... I'm going to go to Atlantic City, I'm Paul, go to maybe, Atlantic City. maybe we will go ahead and get lucky at the gambling tables. By the way, debts no no honest man could pay is actually in um, another song in that album, Johnny 99, okay? Um, he uses that phrase twice uh, in that album in two different songs. And, and listeners, if you get the sense that I really know this album, I really know this album, right? Okay. Yeah, and then he ends that song by... He doesn't get lucky, but he's got a guy he's going to do a little favor for. For that's right. And you, you're left. Yeah. It's left to your imagination, Thank but you. it's not going to be legal. No, it's not. No, 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 no. Right. Okay. Because he's been looking for a job, but he can't find one, and he yes. can't, and he can't yes. get ahead when he does find a job. And it's yeah. You know, and 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 it's somebody who's and it's it, and it, the broke the world breaks down into winners and losers mm-hmm. in Atlantic City. Yes. And this guy's and, clearly losing. Yeah, he's clearly losing, and in that song, Atlantic City, really uh, resonates with me as a Catholic because, you know, the punchline of that song is everybody dies, and what's the rest of it, Nia? But maybe everything that dies someday comes back. back, right? It's a and, little bit of hope. Yeah. There, some of them are slightly hopeful yeah. in Nebraska, but for the most part, Nebraska's like, man. Life sucks. sucks, right? You're okay. like, well, okay then. <laughs> okay. Thank you for making an entire album of that. <laughs> um, but it's a good album and people should listen to it. I mean, uh, we're basically saying when we say songs, what we're suggesting to you too is artists. Yes. That these people consistently produce music that you would and want by, to listen to or could, could want to listen to. And by the way, listeners, um, you will note and I have one more. Spoiler alert. My last one is not Bob Dylan. 
you may be wondering why me and I don't have Bob Dylan or Bob Dylan song on our list. Now, he's written a lot of good political protest songs. Yep. But me and I struggle with Bob Dylan because we can't understand his lyrics when he sings them. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and me and I... I, I I admire him as a poet. Yes. I despise him as a singer. Yes. Okay. And I don't think that's an unusual view Lament. to take yeah. of, yeah. of Bob Dylan. Yes. I mean, you know, Blowing in the Wind is Bob Dylan. Yes. And that's a brilliant song that is both protest and hopeful, right? It's both. But it is so hard to listen to his version of it. And if we did the, you should listen to the cover of a Bob Dylan, we could make a whole episode out of just, here's the covers of Bob Dylan stuff that you should listen to. I mean, I love Dylan's Everything's Broken, but I ha I can only listen to the Cheryl Crow, Jason Isbell version because <laughs> when, when Dylan sang it, it's really hard. It's difficult, right? And people argue that Springsteen is a little bit Dylan-like. Yes. Um, yeah, Springsteen yeah. is a clearer version of Dylan. Maybe, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay. But you have one more band for us. I do have one more. And I don't know if band is the right word. Is band the right word in this particular genre? Are um, people referred to as bands or I, artists. former artists? Yeah, they refer to them as artists. And, and the song is Public Enemies Fight the Power. Now, some of you might be thinking... What year was that? Uh, 1989, okay? But again, I am Gen X. You rap, listen to all things. Okay, and rap music arose, at least in the United States, in the 1980s, right? Right. So, you know, uh, you know, in my record collection, I have Public Enemy, I have NWA, I have Run DMC. So right? you have old school. Well, I have old school. I have you the have, Beastie you have Boys. Old, yeah. Yes, I have the Beastie Boys, right? Okay. But Fight the Power, right? Um, there was probably, in terms of mainstream commercial success, no more prominent political rap song than this, right? And Public Enemy was all about the message, right? And in this song, it was taking down the establishment. It was railing against big government. It was railing against authority abuse, right? Okay. And, and it was featured prominently, in my estimation, in one of the best movies, okay? Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, right? Okay, um, you know, which was about racial tensions in Brooklyn in the 1980s, right? Okay, um, and one of the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, good. The, the, there's a line in there, people, people, we're all the same. No, we're not the same because we don't know the game. Yes. And that is, that is a, I, I suspect if you distilled down Almost every lament from almost every um, rap song, what you would get is, we are the same as people, but some of us are privileged to understand and play the game in a, in a way that gives us more stuff. And that the more privileged you are, the more in on the game you are. Yes. And, and, and so much of it is about access, right? Right. Okay. 
Right. It's um, yeah. When people say equal playing field, I'm no, I'm like, no equal access to yeah. the playing field. Yes. You got, then, you, you got to be able to get on the field before you worry about whether the field is an even playing field or not. Yeah. Which, and again, that's one of the themes of Spike Lee's do the right thing was that you had people who lived in Brooklyn for generations. Okay. Who didn't have access. Right. So they could never get ahead. Right. They were always right. once they were always one step behind. Right. right? Okay. And then um, that's the fundamental unfairness in the system. It's not it's not that people can't perform, it's that they don't have a chance to chance perform. to perform. That's right. Okay. Um, but I love the music. Okay. I love the lyrics. Uh again, it's propulsive. Okay. Um, and uh um and, and again, you know, this is the time period, this is the decade where I became politically aware, right? late 70s through the late 1980s. So uh, this kind of, you know, the early rap songs, you know, before they became so overtly misogynistic, right, um, really appealed to me, right? Um, uh, and I just love it. Uh, it. It's one of my prized possessions. Okay. <laughs> um, um uh you know the, the, the there is a shelf okay behind me where you know you know these these are the ones that I will grab if my house is ever on fire right <laughs> right if you stop to grab CDs when I could just buy you new ones I will kill you <laughs> if you don't die in the fire I will kill you you know, I get Mac out of the house. Right. That's right? all that matters. Get Mac out of the house. Don't be running back in for CDs. We'll just, I will buy you more. CDs. And all more. that does is give the band more money, which I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. So, um, by the way, and, and here's my kind of sort of special mention as we conclude. Nia had a, a number of songs that were special mentions. Me, I have an entire genre. And, and, and it's just, always got to be topping me. Always got to be. No, I'm, I'm not trying to top you, but <laughs> I had a really difficult time picking a song from this genre because for me, part of the appeal of the entire genre of music is that it is anti-authoritarian, right? You know, and Nia, you know, you and I have had plenty of conversations off recording where you laugh at me struggling with authority, right? And yes. Because <laughs> you'd think you would have gotten better at it by now. Yeah, right. Particularly, and yet, particularly because one could argue in a very small, minimal way. I you am, are authority. I am an authority. You are the man. <laughs> right, okay. But there's an entire genre of music that you know I love, and that's jazz. And you know, pretty much uh, almost... All great jazz, okay, takes existing song structures and flip them on their head, right? Okay, the greatest innovations in jazz, okay, take a song structure and then basically go ahead and say, yeah, to heck with that. We're going off and we're doing this, right? Okay. So philosophically protesting. Yes. The, right? the normal normativity of music. Yeah, and there are very few jazz artists that I'm aware of who, who are not anarchists, right? Okay. <laughs> but not anarchists in the sense of protest, anarchists in the sense of 
I'm going to, I'm just going to turn that on its, on its ear 90 degrees. That's right. Right. So, you know, the first time I heard, you know, for instance, Thelonious Monk. Okay, put, who also was a protester in political yes. situations. Yes. Right. And I take I that back. So a lot of them probably were both. Yeah, okay. The first time I heard him play, I was just like, he's doing something with a piano that I've never heard anybody ever do before. Right. Okay. Um, or, you know, when Coltrane went spiritual and he came out with a love supreme, right. I was just like, Whoa, Hey. Okay. And it was about God. Right. Right. Or, you know, when um, Miles Davis decided that, you know, typical jazz song structures no longer work for him and he was going to fuse it with rock music. Now, a lot of that, okay, doesn't appeal to me, but good Lord, was I impressed, right? When he can decided I, to do that. Can I just, I, I, can I just admit something to you, Augie, which is what? a little embarrassing, but here we go. I, I don't listen to jazz that deeply. Okay. Well, I, he- yeah. I, and here and here's what I mean. I love jazz. I love to go and listen to it live, especially um, blues and jazz. But it, for me, it's just losing myself in the rhythms. Mm-hmm. Like I find myself with my feet tapping or my head nodding or my shoulders moving. Yeah. A little bit. No, I am that person in the club who's like, yeah, like I'm just. I'm so mellow by the time that stuff is over that I'm like, oh, I love everything and everyone. And now I have to go home. Um, but, it, but, but, it, but it gives me this sense of yeah. I like jazz because it's so rhythmic in whatever way that it's going to be rhythmic, even if it's arrhythmic, that it makes me, I don't know, it speaks to my inner dancer. It speaks to my inner whatever that is that that makes you want to bop along with the music and, yeah, and pretty it, much any jazz of any decency will do that to me. And, and, and again, this is one of the great things. But I've never thought about it structurally like you're talking. Okay. But, it, but, but again, that's one of the great things about art. Right. Whether it's we're people talking, different ways. Yeah. Right. I mean, for me, it is the intellectual, right. Um, and, um, but for other people, you know, jazz music, is much more emotional. It's much more about feeling. I mean, we're going to do another podcast episode about our favorite movies. And trust me, there are plenty of people who love going to the movies who don't want to go ahead and think so deeply about the political messages, right, in movies, right? You know, and then they go ahead and take politics and film with me. And then they're just like, oh, dude, right? Now you got me thinking about this stuff every time I watch a movie, right? Um, yeah. Okay, but way to be ruining the movies for me. Okay, but again, it's you know that's the one of the great things about art, right? Um, you know, that's each person individual, different way, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's why you, neither you or I look down on people who like certain popular artists that don't resonate with us because we understand that certain artists and their music and their lyrics, okay, connect with other people. And we don't want to take that away from folks. Right. right. If you like the way Bob Dylan sounds, one, I feel sorry for you. And two, enjoy. <laughs> right. Enjoy. Right. Because I, I, he, I, is I, a, he is a master poet. Well, he, it, 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 his it, lyrics it, are, be, I mean, that's 
unquestionably. You, you, you want a Nobel Prize for it. So you mentioned an artist earlier in this episode. Okay. Um, Taylor Sh uh, Swift, Shake It Off, right? Love that song. Okay. There are Swifties, and that's how they refer to themselves. Uh -huh. Taylor Swift. And don't right? stand between them and concert tickets because they <laughs> hurt you. <laughs> right. Okay. I've listened to every single one of her albums, some of them multiple times. And most of her songs don't, I find no connection with. Okay. But I like the fact. Well, you're not a 19 year old girl who's breaking up with a boy. Well, th that might be it. Okay. You have some deficiency in understanding from her point of view. Sure. Right. Right. It's Same with me. I mean, I have those yeah. similar things with a lot of the rap artists I don't connect to, not because the music's not excellent. It is, but because I have not been abused and oppressed oppressed and and, and, you know, and frightened and been yes. told things like every time you see a cop put your hands up and don't do dangerous things and always go along with it like the the talk that black yeah. parents have to give their kids i've never had to have that because i had yeah. the privilege of not having that yep. so it doesn't resonate with me in the same way i can admire the ability of the people and still be like I don't really, the message doesn't connect with me at, at a, at a, whatever, you know. At a core or central level. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but so. still admire those folks. Yeah. Um, uh, we would like to challenge any listeners who want to send us titles. Um, we are happy to listen to more music. There's never a, it's never bad to go out and find a new song. Yeah. So if you know of a song, you can find both of our email addresses on the research guide um, for this podcast. And that is always linked in the, in the, uh, where you downloaded the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you th think, oh, you haven't heard this and it's really good and you should hear it. We want to know. Yes. Yeah. Augie and I are both open to listening to whatever new things come along or old things that we haven't found. Yeah. Um, we're all about finding the finding a new person to listen to and be like, ah, I love this album. I got to go buy all the others. Yes. So yes, please do. Yes. Thanks, Nia. Thank you, Augie. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.